Good morning. I'm Arjun Singh from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 9th. In today's news, workers who quit their jobs out of fear of contracting the coronavirus at work are hoping to collect unemployment benefits under the Biden administration. And despite the narrative that the GameStop stock frenzy was a populist revolt against Wall Street, hedge funds may have ended up the biggest winner. But first, the big idea. This week, the events that kicked off what has already proven to be a historic year will culminate in the second impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump. The Post, Felicia Sanmez, John Wagner, Colby Itkowitz, and Paulina Ferrosi report that according to rules announced by Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell on Monday, the trial will begin with House impeachment managers and Trump's defense team allowed to debate for up to four hours. Then, a procedural vote will be held to move forward. After the opening debate, both the prosecution and defense will have up to 16 hours to present oral arguments in a process that could wrap up as late as Sunday. Senators will then be allowed to ask both teams questions, and House managers may call witnesses, after which both teams will present oral arguments before the Senate makes their final decision. House impeachment managers are planning to make the argument that the former president's penchant for conspiracy theories, proliferation of falsehoods about the integrity of the American electoral system, and refusal to concede in the presidential election inevitably led to a violent siege of the Capitol building on January 6th. It's a claim the president's lawyers say is ridiculous. My colleagues Mike DeBonis and Tom Hamburger report that on Monday, Trump's lawyers accused Democrats of trying to, quote, silence a political opponent and a minority party, and said the entire impeachment is part of a long-drawn-out effort to marginalize Trump as a political threat. The same day, they called the impeachment article unconstitutional and sharply criticized Democrats for playing politics with a constitutional process. Taken together, they demonstrate conclusively that indulging House Democrats' hunger for this political theater is a danger to our republic, democracy, and the rights that we hold dear, the defense team said in a statement. And their defense just might work. In order to convict Trump, 17 Republicans would have to join with all 50 of the chamber's Democrats and independents to secure a conviction. Despite genuine outrage from several Republicans immediately following the Capitol siege, in the weeks since, the party has been caught in a push and pull between members who want the party to move in the direction of Trump and those who hope to revert back to its form before he became president. Since January 6th, Congressional Republicans like Representatives Matt Gates and Jim Jordan publicly attacked establishment representative Liz Cheney and demanded she be demoted from party leadership over her decision to vote to impeach Trump. Eleven Republicans joined with House Democrats to strip Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, a far-right avowedly pro-Trump freshman from Georgia who has promoted radical conspiracies like QAnon and Pizzagate, of her committee assignments. But none of that guarantees there will be enough Republican votes, or any, to convict Trump. On January 26th, all but five Republican senators voted in favor of a procedural motion which stated that an impeachment trial of a former president would be unconstitutional, hinting at a widespread lack of appetite to support a conviction amongst Republicans. I think this was indicative of where a lot of people's heads are, said Senator John Thune, the chamber's number two Republican in Senate leadership. 
And in a fundraising email sent by Missouri Senator Josh Hawley, who received backlash from across the political spectrum for supporting Trump's bid to overturn the election, wrote to supporters, quote, even chasing President Trump out of office isn't enough for them. They have to impeach him again. They are going after Trump and they are still coming after me. And that's the big idea. Here are two other stories that should be on your radar. Number one. In an executive order issued last month, President Joe Biden hoped to provide a helping hand to Americans who either quit their jobs or declined to go to work out of fear of contracting the coronavirus. In the executive order, Biden directed the Department of Labor to issue a guidance that better clarifies what constitutes a dangerous workplace. As a result, as my colleagues Eli Rosenberg and Hannah Knowles report, Dozens of workers around the country are anxiously hoping they'll now be able to qualify for unemployment benefits under the rules change. Some workers, like Jonathan Burlingame, a factory worker from South Boston, quit work to protect particularly vulnerable members of their household, such as their parents or grandparents. But Burlingame, like many others, fell through gaps in his state's unemployment system that only provided limited protection to those who quit work for safety reasons. He's been living without an income since July. His story is just one of the more than 1.5 million people who voluntarily quit their jobs and filed for unemployment insurance, according to data from the Department of Labor, and 80% of their claims have been denied. Another group of 75,000 have applied for unemployment insurance after being laid off and declining to return to work. 49% of that group had their claims denied. The statistics speak to a reoccurring theme of the pandemic. Many workers have been forced to choose between a paycheck or their family's health. Though Biden's executive order hopes to remedy the situation these workers face, experts have warned that Biden could have a tough time providing enough of a shield to cover all workers under a patchwork of unemployment systems administered through the states and said that much could depend on how the administration defines an unsafe workspace. According to George Wentworth, an unemployment expert at the National Employment Law Project, workers who quit due to safety concerns may face more difficult obstacles, even with the Biden rule, than workers who decline work or turn down return-to-work offers due to safety reasons. This high barrier is further complicated by the sheer number of jobless claims that have swamped underfunded unemployment agencies, along with the political challenges of convincing states that have discouraged workers from receiving unemployment to enforce the rule change. But Biden's executive order could help workers like James Burris, who quit his job as a poker dealer at a casino in Maryland over fears for the safety of his 13-year-old asthmatic daughter. Burris said he didn't even try to file for unemployment insurance because his state's unemployment agency wasn't able to give him a clear answer, and he did not want to risk applying and being accused of fraud. But experts like Matthew Bodie, an unemployment law expert at St. Louis University School of Law, said the order's broad language leaves much discretion of determining eligibility to state unemployment agencies. Number two. Ever since the video game retailer GameStop saw an unexpected and massive rise in its stock by over 1,700% in one day, a narrative has emerged that the market turmoil was the result of a David versus Goliath story between small retail traders using apps like Robinhood and institutional Wall Street investors. But my colleagues Douglas McMillan and Yagana Torbati report that the ultimate winner of the stock market chaos may have been traditional hedge funds, some of whom have started using algorithms to track retail investors on social media and made millions from the GameStop rally. 
Meanwhile, stories are emerging of novice investors unfamiliar with the complex world of financial trading who lost thousands following the advice of YouTubers and anonymous posters on a Reddit community called Wall Street Bets. Instead of democratizing finance, the rise and fall of GameStop stock may have reaffirmed a familiar truth. Wall Street is very good at making money, and more often than not, small investors lose out to wealthy traders and institutions. According to regulatory filings, the four largest asset managers in the world own 39% of GameStop shares, and those shares have gained roughly a billion dollars in value since the beginning of the year. The number of shares traded during the frenzy also suggests that it could not just have been retail investors participating in the rally. Though some institutional investors were forced to cover stakes in bets that GameStop would go down, it's likely other hedge fund managers were making calculated short-term risks and buying and selling stock to cash in on the quick rise, according to Robert J. Shapiro, a policy fellow at Georgetown University and former economic advisor to President Bill Clinton. The kind of trader that is said to have propelled the rise is known as a retail investor, and their numbers have ballooned with the spread of commission-free online trading apps like Robinhood. There is no doubt that these traders participated in record numbers to drive up the cost of GameStop stock. In fact, there was such a surge in demand for GameStop shares, Robinhood faced a liquidity crisis and had to raise $3.4 billion to cover the cost of guaranteeing customer deposits. But the rise in retail investing has also led Wall Street to pay more attention to small shops they once derided. Hedge funds have built algorithms to monitor social media for what retail investors are saying, and in the last two years, multiple services offering to track places like Reddit have sprung up. Last year, prominent hedge funds including D.E. Shaw, Point72, Two Sigma, and Capital Fund Management were all found to be siphoning data from an app called RobinTrack, which collected data on which stocks Robinhood users sold and bought, a move the founder of RobinTrack said indicated how valuable hedge funds considered the information. And the level of trading points to something larger, according to Shapiro. GameStop only has 47 million shares available, yet in its three-week journey from a share price of $17 to 483 investors bought and sold those shares hundreds of millions of times. In one three-day stretch, Shares changed hands 554 million times, more than 11 times the total number of shares available. Regulators are looking into whether firms were working behind the scenes to tilt the scales to their advantage. In addition to investigating whether firms worked together to create the market volatility, they say they are also looking into whether employees of large Wall Street firms posted in the online communities themselves to urge retail traders to rally behind their preferred stock. Jamie Rogozinski, who founded the Wall Street Bets Forum in 2012, said he wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. Despite the often crass and juvenile tone common among users of the forum, Rogozinski said it was apparent highly sophisticated users were also participating. He pointed to one example from 2019 in which users discovered a glitch in Robinhood's app that let them borrow an infinite amount of money to perform trades. But many are also novice traders, some of whom have used the app as a form of entertainment during the pandemic or have minimal knowledge of investing. Those are the kinds of people Joey Brookhart, an analyst at a hedge fund in Denver who has monitored Wall Street bets for years, said are most susceptible to schemes by people to artificially pump up stocks. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, February 9th. I'm Arjun Singh. Thanks for listening.